Ohio State University Spring Quarter Commencement, held Sunday, June 13, 2010, at Ohio Stadium. 6,272 graduates received their diplomas. This quarter's commencement speaker is David R. Gergen, Director, Center for Public Leadership and Professor of Public Service, Harvard Kennedy School. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one and all to the 392nd commencement of THE Ohio State University. We are pleased to have you as honored guests as this university bestows academic degrees upon today's graduates. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now my pleasure to introduce our commencement speaker. Through his life's work and by his example, David Gergen defines the term public servant. And he does so with incomparable judgment, grace, humility, and above all, noble intent. He has served as counselor to four United States presidents, spanning three decades and bridging political divides. He was chief speechwriter in the Nixon White House and director of communications for both President Ford and President Reagan. In the 1980s, Mr. Gergen contributed his remarkable talents to U.S. News and World Report where he served as editor-at-large. Hearing the public service call once more, he returned to presidential politics in the Clinton administration. Since leaving his leadership post in the White House, David Gergen has continued to lead in public life. In 1999, he joined the faculty of the John F. Kennedy School of Government at Harvard University, where he serves as professor and director of the Center for Public Leadership. He gives his time and expertise to numerous nonprofit organizations, including the Aspen Institute, City Year and Teach for America. He's a senior political analyst for CNN and speaks and writes extensively. I want to make one very clear observation here, and that is this. In this era of public posturing, verbal, muscle flexing, and intellectual sleight of hand, David Gergen stands apart. He speaks directly and powerfully using words too rarely heard. Principle, decency, valor, truth, uncommon words from an uncommon man. At a time in which political discourse is increasingly characterized by sound bites and cynicism, when voices rise and substance dwindles, his is a voice of wisdom and clarity. Through the din of so much white noise, Mr. Gergen reminds us all to seek the high road and the higher purpose, to remember this country's founding democratic ideals, to seek peace and justice, to strive for the common good, and to always behave as our finest selves. For decades of service to this nation, Ohio State is proud to present him today with an honorary doctorate of public service, and I'm proud to call him my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming David Gergen. Thank you. President Gordon Gee, trustees, faculty, families, friends, Yes, and most of all, the proud graduates of the Ohio State University Class of 2010. 
Welcome to the biggest commencement celebration in America. What a wonderful moment. Here we are in a state that is the heartland of the country, the home of presidents, a cradle of the Industrial Revolution. Here we are at the University of Champions, the university with the best damn band in the land. <laughs> And yes, the University of the American Dream. And here we are to celebrate a class that represents the American future. Yes, this is a wonderful moment. I'm deeply honored and want to thank you for asking me to join here and to share this moment. And now that I'm a member of your family, there's something I've been wanting to try, and that is one of your calls. So, O-H. O-H! O-H! Ohio State! All right! <clears throat> now, this is a moment when we will spend most of our time celebrating you, the graduates, and you so richly deserve it. You worked hard to come to this day. You've been working hard all your life to get here. You have a wonderful future in front of you. But we all know that you would not be here today had you not had some help along the way. And so this is also a moment to thank your families, to thank your parents, to thank your loved ones who have stood with you. So I would like to ask those of you who are graduates to stand on this moment and give an Ohio State cheer for all those who have brought you here, your parents and your families and your loved ones. Wonderful, your gratitude overflows in this stadium. I've had the privilege of working in the White House for four American presidents, but I can tell you that I have never had the privilege of working with a president any better than your own Gordon Gee. <clears throat> with a leader like Gordon Gee in the front office, and a leader like Jim Tressel here on this playing field. <clears throat> With those leaders, no wonder Ohio State graduates so many winners. Now, Gordon, I've joined millions of others and watching you on YouTube, <laughs> dancing there with the students in that new spanking new student union. Any second now, I just expect you to leap out of your chair. He is irrepressible to leap out of your chair gleefully and lead us in a chorus of don't stop believing. <clears throat> Preparing for this day, I was reminded of Art Buchwald, a columnist who for many years was one of the nation's favorite commencement speakers. Art died a while ago, but people still remember how he closed every commencement address. Graduates, he said, we are leaving you a perfect world now, don't screw it up. 
I wish I could deliver the same message today, but even John Stewart couldn't tell you that with a straight face. For this graduation, a more fitting message boils down to this. We are leaving you a screwed up world. Now we need you to help fix it. <clears throat> you know from experience that job markets across the country, especially here in the heartland, are the toughest since the Great Depression. Some of you have gotten into graduate school this next year, but many of you know that getting into graduate school is getting tougher and tougher because of the all so many young people seeking shelter from a storm. Nonprofits too are turning away applicants by, with, with hordes of applicants. The threat grows that the United States, just as Japan did, could be entering a long, painful decade. Excruciating decisions lie ahead as we try to balance our financial books and put our country aright. Even as we focus on problems here at home, the world won't stand still. Hopefully, we are on our way out of Iraq and Afghanistan, but a nuclear Iran could be just around the corner. Meanwhile, China and India are rapidly gaining on us. When historians look back, they may well say that the biggest, most important story of the 21st century was the shift of power and influence to Asia. Indeed, I have come to believe that the transcendent question for all of us today is whether America, our beloved America, will remain a great nation or whether we will slide slowly into decline. That's why it's so important that we get about the business of fixing America, restoring our vitality as an innovative, entrepreneurial, free people. What does that mean for you, the graduates, of today, and what does it mean for your generation? No one can offer you a clear roadmap. You will have to bushwhack through the brush on your own. You must make your own discoveries, your own mistakes, your own triumphs. But perhaps you will find, as I have, that you can learn a lot by hearing and reading about the others, others who have already been down life's path. My favorite advice about life comes from the prophet Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. My wife, Ann, and I also enjoyed the wisdom that we heard from President Jerry Ford as he celebrated his 90th birthday. Yes, I know, he was from Michigan, captain of their football team. They won a couple of national championships, but he was a good fellow and should be forgiven. <laughs> Jerry said that his mother had taught him, his mother had taught him three rules in childhood, and they served him well all of his life. Three rules. Work hard, tell the truth, and come to dinner on time. <laughs> Good, simple Midwestern rules for complex times. In that spirit, let me offer three brief lessons of my own that seem particularly relevant to those of you graduating and, the, and to your generation that I so much admire. First, this is a day of joy. 
Many of you have happy lives. You will continue to have much happiness in your life. But in each of your lives, especially in, their hard, in these hard times, in these tough times, there will be hardships. There will be heartbreaks. And my strong recommendation to you is do not let adversity become your enemy. Learn to make adversity your friend. One of the most memorable passages from the dark days of the American Revolution was written by Abigail Adams. Brave Abigail sent a letter to her teenage son, John Quincy, telling him, quote, these are the dark times in which a genius would wish to live. It is not in the still calm of life that great characters are formed. The habits of a vigorous mind are formed in contending with troubles, with difficulties. Great necessities call out great virtues, qualities which would otherwise lay dormant, waken to life during hard times, and form the character of the hero and the statesman. If you take time to read the biographies of great men and women in the years ahead, as I hope you will, you will discover that every single one had failures and sorrows in life and had to struggle hard to overcome them. There are no better examples than right here in this stadium, on this stage today, than Chris and the memory of his lovely wife, Stephanie Spielman. As many of you know, he was a famous football player here at this university. He went on to the pros where he had a stellar career. While he was playing, his wife, Stephanie, was diagnosed with breast cancer. He left the playing field to be with her. And they fought bravely. She went into remission. They had two children, two more children. And then she was struck again. And she died here recently. But they, Chris and Stephanie together, have established a, themselves as a model of how to deal with adversity. They didn't let things get them down. She told him that we have so many things to be grateful for and they persevered, and they worked hard to make sure other people would understand the perils of breast cancer, worked on the research, worked on making sure that younger women would discover their breast cancer early enough. They're being honored here today, as they should be, both of them. When I asked Chris earlier today, what is it that got you through? What is it that made you, what gave you that inner strength? And he said, we adopted an, an eternal perspective, an eternal perspective. They thought about the long run and how they might be together again. That's the spirit of making adversity your friend. <clears throat> Among our presidents, Lincoln suffered repeated losses and by middle age thought he was finished, washed out. Fortunately, he was no quitter. Teddy Roosevelt lost his wife and his mother, both beloved, in the same night. He lost them both in the same night. He was so sad that he could not bear to hear his wife's name ever spoken again, and he disappeared into the West, into the wilderness. But he, too, came roaring back. Franklin Roosevelt was struck down by polio at 39, spent the next seven years trying to walk. He never could but he fought his way back into public life. Harry Truman came from a family that was so poor 
that when he finished high school, he didn't have the money to go to college. And he, he worked on a family farm behind a, behind a mule for seven years. But he turned himself into a self-educated man, one of the best ever, best read ever to live in the White House, and stubborn as his mule. John Kennedy had several close brushes with death. Priest said last rites over him four times, but he still dared to be president. Ronald Reagan took a bullet within an inch, within an inch of his heart and walked away with a smile. What does one find in common among these presidents? That all of them encountered periods of diversity, all of them, but they also faced their troubles with inner fortitude and eventually grew from the experience. Against their nature, they learned patience. They were irrepressible men too, like Gordon Gee, but they learned patience. Spending years in the wilderness before making it to the top, and somehow they maintained a sense of humor to ward off their inner troubles. Lincoln, in the darkest days of the Civil War, opened a cabinet meeting with a funny off-color story. His cabinet officers were aghast. Gentlemen, he said, why don't you laugh? If I did not laugh, said Lincoln, I should die. And you need this medicine as much as I do. These same leaders also had a sense of optimism about, this, about themselves and about the country. Ronald Reagan loved to tell a story of two boys on Christmas morning, one a pessimist, the other an optimist. The parents told the pessimist to open a bedroom door to find his big present. He did, and there was a shiny new bicycle. But the boy burst out crying. The pessimist, why, asked his stunned parents. Because, he said, this bike is sure to get a flat tire, and I won't be able to ride it anymore. Well, the boy parents told the other boy, the optimist, to open a different bedroom door. He did. And there he found mounds and mounds of horse manure stacked up to the ceiling. But the boy, the optimist, burst out singing. Again, the parents were stunned. What's up? Oh, I'm so excited, said the boy. Somewhere in here. There just must be a pony. <laughs> so I ask of you that as you enter these tough times, with so many difficulties ahead, please do not flinch. Do not run from adversity. Make it your friend. There's always a pony in there somewhere. Second, let me suggest that you have spent your school years studying the world around you, the external world. With graduation, the time has come to focus with equal intensity on the world inside you, your inner world. The most important journey you will make in life is not up a career ladder. The most important journey is not up a career ladder, but into your own soul. Learning who you are, what makes you tick, the values you want to live by. That is the journey to authenticity, to becoming a whole person and eventually to success. Isn't that essentially the philosophy that Coach Jim Tressel is instilling here with his famous block O of life? He urges players to first find their purpose in life and then to define the goals by which they can reach them. The central questions, as he argues, are to ask, who are you and what defines your purpose? And to remember, before I can do, I must be. Before I can do, I must be. For the past decade, 
I have been privileged to develop a relationship and now a friendship with the chairman of your Ohio State Board, Les Wexner, and his wonderful wife, Abigail. Most of you know Les's legend, how he worked his way through Ohio State, borrowed money from his aunt to open a store, and has built an empire. What you may not fully appreciate is that Les is also a serious student of leadership, reading and reflecting all his life. His central conclusion is that in order to make a difference, in order to lead, one first must become a whole person. It's not just your professional skills you must develop, but also your integrity, your commitment to family, and your commitment to serving your community. He believes, as novelist Walker Percy once put it, you can make all A's and still flunk life. You can make all A's and still flunk life. So as you begin your journey after Ohio State, I would ask that you work on becoming a whole person, a person of honor, character, and authenticity. Know who you are, your purpose, and your passion. Know, too, that you must learn to master yourself. You must learn to master yourself before you can serve others. Finally, I would ask that as you move forward, you also remember our country. We are, as I have said, a nation that is severely challenged. And we have lost much of our faith in our leaders, in politics and in business. Decline is in the air. I cannot remember a time when our problems seemed bigger and our capacity to, so to solve them seemed smaller. Frankly, we need you, the graduates, to step up and serve to serve your, country, your communities, to serve your country. For some years, I have been teaching members of your generation, the millennial generation, in my classrooms. Yes, some fit the ne negative stereotypes, but I have seen many others who are idealistic, passionate, and bursting to go out and change the world. You can see them here at Ohio State. Some are social entrepreneurs, eager to work or start nonprofits, Teach for America, City Year, KIPP, Year Up, Project Health, there are many. Others have just come back from Iraq and Afghanistan, veterans seasoned by combat, knowing what it is to lead when lives are on the line, realizing how trivial sometimes college can seem. What unites them all is a passion to serve and lead. We have seen before what can happen when a generation boldly steps forward. In the 1930s, Millions graduated into an economy racked by the Great Depression. They not only had trouble finding jobs, but went on to fight in a war that threatened civilization. Your own John Glenn was a prime example. He and Annie were properly honored here just last year on this stage. That generation, through common sacrifice, they came to love this country, and when they came home from war, they built it to heights never imagined before. President Franklin Roosevelt said of these men and women that they had a rendezvous with destiny, a rendezvous with destiny. We look back upon them now with great nostalgia, calling them, in Tom Brokaw's words, the greatest generation. I tell you here today that you, the millennials, the next generation, represent the most promising generation in decades. Your parents, 
your grandparents, and all who love you should be very proud of what you've done and especially of what you represent. You, too, have a rendezvous with destiny, and you have it in your power to become the next great generation, one that rescues America in a time of troubles. As graduates of one of the nation's finest universities, a university at a time when many other states are letting their public universities go down, they're retrenching. Here in Ohio, you've made an investment in the future. You're continuing to advance this university. It's become a crown jewel to the public universities in this country. And you're the graduates. So you have already moved into the forefront of this quest. I join others in asking you today, upon your graduation, to make a private pledge to yourself that you will live up to the possibilities that you represent. When the bugle has sounded, generations in the past have answered the call. Now the bugle calls for you. You will not find the going easy, but you will be supported on your path by your family and by your friends, those sitting next to you today. To your left and right are the men and women whom you have eaten with and dreamed with and danced with and studied with for four years. They will not vanish when you pick up your diploma. You will find them again. And we all know that if you can't find them easily, there is someone here who can. Archie Griffin. He will. So when you see them again in the real world, and you will more frequently and unexpectedly than you imagine, when you see them again, they will remind you of the promise and excitement of this moment. Do not forget that promise. For I promise you, if you throw yourself into the arena on behalf of America, your life will grow rich with meaning and purpose. One of the greatest Americans of the 19th century and the early 20th was Oliver Wendell Holmes, Jr., great jurist. But he was also a man who went, was in the Civil War. He fought and was wounded on three different occasions, came close to death. Tough times, very tough times. But he, as he and he and his generation suffered tough times, but as he looked back years later on those tough times of his youth, he said, through our great fortune, through our great good fortune, he called it, in our youth, our hearts were touched with fire. It was given to us to learn at the outset that life is a profound and passionate thing. Graduates of the class of 2010, life is a profound and passionate thing. As you leave here today, I hope you will learn to see adversity as a friend, not as an enemy. I hope you will search within yourselves to create lives of passion, character, and authenticity. And all of us ask that your hearts be touched with fire as you rise to help your country. We are leaving you a screwed up world. Now we need you to fix it. Good luck. Godspeed. And go Bucks! Thank you, Mr. Gergen.